Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petham here. As always, and of course, I'm joined this fine evening by Sebastian Bacon and Sir Danny Raza. He has shown up, ladies and gentlemen. He put his money where his mouth is and did it two in two. So well done to that man. And it's good to see his face on this screen. And of course, you'll hear his voice in just a few moments. But of course, it was 3-0 to the Villa at Leeds United at Ellen Road, I should say a, a rather comfortable victory. Um, I would say maybe some scary moments at times, but again, we were clinical when it mattered. And that's the most important thing. Of course, if we're looking quickly at the game, it's Coutinho in the 22nd minute, getting the first one going off Luke Ailing, Maddie Cash in the 65th minute. And of course, Callum Chambers turning into prime Maldini in the 73rd, scoring a wonderfully worked goal assisted by Mings, maybe the most deadly strike force we've ever had at Aston Villa in our history. But anyways, let's go to Sebastian first or Seb. I've never called you Sebastian, I don't think. And now I feel dirty. But anyways, how's it going, Seb? Sir Danny Raza, what, what do I have to do to get that sort of privilege? What do I have to do to get the Cole Petham knighthood? You have Honestly. to be here longer than You're I have literally been here. a child, Seb. <laughs> literally a child. It's all right. I'll give it a few more years. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's certainly done wonders for for my mood this evening. Um, it's always nice to to back up a good performance with another one on top of that. You know, to get momentum as a football club, I think I think is so so important and. I think it shows Gerard's management the fact that something was clearly going wrong. He's changed that and not only has it been sustainable, but he's made big calls to make that sustainable. I think a lot of managers would have seen Esri Konsa coming back and thought, yeah, I'll put him straight back in. But to make that big call to keep Chambers and for it to work out as well as it has done shows shows the aura of Gerard. Um you know, Ellen Road is not an easy place to go. I know they're on a bad run of the form, but for a team that, you know, we always seem to slip up against or at least concede four or five to whenever playing them, to go there, keep a clean sheet and play them off the park and severely frustrate them, you know, I think massive credit has to be given. Yeah, I feel like this is a, a weird vortex villa where we somehow are beating the teams that we well I, I would say we are beating the teams we t- typically struggle struggle against but we've lost to Watford twice this season so I guess that doesn't fully apply but anyways let's let's ignore what I'm saying there let's go to Sir Danny Raza of course Danny how's it going for you yeah well good I'm, I'm good I'm good good to watch Villa get another win that's three on the bounce now I, I was wondering how long it's been since that happened um, but I found out that we got four on the bounce last season at some point. So I'm going to try not to get too ahead of myself. 
Yeah, I mean, we have to enjoy it while we can. Of course, West Ham United on Sunday and then Arsenal the following weekend. And I think Spurs after that and then Wolves or something like that. Anyways, that's the most amount of memory I'll probably get in my lifetime. But uh, we'll live and we'll learn. Daniel, I'll come back to you first. I mean, I kind of touched on it earlier on at the very, very start of the podcast. I mean, how did you find this game in particular? I feel like it's very similar to the Southampton game in terms of, like I said, we didn't really get out of third gear, did we? And we didn't have yeah, to, I should say. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's funny because I think I think Villa, they there were still moments in that game where I was thinking, guys, you need to slap the momentum back on a little bit. Uh, there were still there were still issues. There was still like 15 minutes in that second half where I was like, if you guys concede a goal here, you're going to capitulate. Like if you guys concede, if you let Leeds run you over, you're going to capitulate. But you know what? It was clinical. It was clinical. There were loads of shots on the target today. You know, plenty of efforts on goal. Um, you can see sort of Dougie Louise, John McGinn really encouraged to kind of shoot from distance. I'd say it's like almost a banker to get like Douglas Louise to have one or two shots on target. I mean, <laughs> if you're if you're betting anyway, uh, don't 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 um don't trust me on that one. But yeah, no, it was it was it was a good performance. Look, that formation's working at the moment. I think it was the right way to go against Leeds United. Uh, really, I think it was quite funny because there was a lot of panic in the group chat, um, and I was just thinking, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Because the more Leeds keep on doing their thing, the more Leeds try to push for a goal, the more that their defence just gets put under pressure. And you try to shock them. You you make them have to defend and they're going to struggle because Leeds United's defence is absolutely atrocious. What is it, 64, 65 goals conceded this season now? That's the highest amount of goals conceded by any team uh, in the league right now. So I, I read, I think I heard that it was something like, something like 15, 16, don't quote me on that, like more than, than Brentford have conceded. So like Leeds are, they're shipping goals and it's a good thing we punished them. And it's a good thing we kept a clean sheet, even when Bamford came on. Um, but I'm sure Leeds fans will be happy to see his, uh, yeah, see his figure back on the pitch. I think that's part and parcel of being a Villa fan, isn't it? To to expect things to suddenly turn against us. If things are going too well, you almost you almost know as a Villa fan, like what's the catch here? Surely, surely something's got to go against us at some point. It can't it can't be all good too good to be true. But yeah, no, Danny Danny summed it up quite well. Um, it's always it's always weird when Danny's the most positive in the group chat because normally normally he's the most apprehensive out of the lot. He's he's expecting a turn for the worst. But um, yeah, it seemed it seemed controlled tonight, apart from maybe the first fifteen minutes after after half time and you know little spells in the game. I seem to think I seem to remember Villa. Villa had control of it for the most part you know like I mentioned earlier they they were able to wind up the crowd and you know when you go to a place like Ellen Road with the crowd that they have you know their their atmosphere will have a big impact not only on the away team but on the home team as well if they're if they're getting apprehensive and restless then that's gonna put thoughts in the back of the Leeds players mind of who's a halftime set who's yeah, Danny put it in the group chat that they were booing. And yeah, look, 
things are go- things are going to turn sour, aren't they? They're on a bad run of form, and with a fan base that passionate, that's that's the least you can expect. You know, they've had some controversial decisions going their way. Ari Bielsa and Marsh coming in, who's still got to win over the fan base, but. Yeah, look, I mean, their defense. When you play a team like Leeds, you can always expect to score goals, which I think worked in our favor tonight. I think, like Danny mentioned, their defensive record is is nothing short of embarrassing. It's something you'd expect when a stat to come up when you're playing FIFA. Almost that's not that's not how you defend in the Premier League. And if you're conceding more goals than Norwich, then you know getting relegated is the least you deserve at that point. You know, but look. They're, they're in big, big trouble. But the main thing focusing on Villa is the fact that we stay professional throughout and we made sure that we followed the job through. You know, we saw it at Villa Park just a few weeks ago that we can let ourselves get carried away in the situation and let Leeds dictate us and turn it into a basketball match. The one thing I like about Steven Gerrard is it's noticeable between the two games that he's learned from his mistakes. He didn't let Leeds gain momentum and he didn't let it turn into one of those games where it's back to front and it's hectic and neither team gets momentum. He allowed us to be calm in possession, calm out of possession. And in the end, I think it's a thoroughly deserved three points. Bro, as well, Rafinha, he was angry. Like, he was... Like, Leeds had so much joy in that first game, the last game we had against them, because the fullbacks were so high up the pitch. But you could see the look on like Rafinha's face at Leeds today. It's frustration, isn't like, it? Like they, they, they were not getting past the defense, and and because of that, because there was no space for them to get through the fullbacks. Like Dan James is so isolated up there; he's not a forward. And and you know, it's, you know, as as you say, as you say, they were frustrated. Jesse Marsh said after the game that you know he wanted Leeds to kind of you know that he didn't want them to panic, and that's just you know that's just what happened. They panicked. They. Panicked. Panicked under the pressure today. And, and um, yeah, I have to, by the way, just give a shout out to, you know, whilst we're talking about the defending, I have to give a shout out to Tyrone Minx. He took on an absolute tirade of abuse today. When I say abuse, just chanting, general chanting, just against him. I've never seen an opposition team chant that hard at a player that, like, it's not even, it's not even from, like, a local rival. Like, he took the brunt of it every time he got the ball. Um, and and fair play, you kept it solid today. However, if there's one player you want to take the brunt, you'd want it to be Tyrone Mings because as a leader, as a captain, you know he'll be able to almost shrug that off. And he showed that in his performance. He was he was calm, he was collected at times, and you know he's look he's one of those players that with the with the calmness that he possess it you know you saw it. <laughs> he, he's easily wind upable as a fan base I don't know if that made much sense but you know if you're the home team and Tyrone Mings is is on the away side then he will easily wind you up you saw it when he I think I don't know whether you know is he kicked the ball into the away fans it's little things like that that he knows will rile them up you know he's he's good at that sort of thing he knows what he's doing that's by the way I call it I'm, I'm sorry for derailing your podcast right here but like there's another point which you just want to pick up on as well is that there was a lot of um <laughs> the, 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 the 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 assistant referees were in the ear of the ref about Villa's time wasting <laughs> and like generally 
we've like we've become merchants at this recently. <laughs> the game management, like Emmy Martinez, takes the absolute maximum time from a free from like his goal kicks, and it's the same with the defense in terms of like killing the momentum. That did not help Leeds at all. Um, but it's becoming it seems to be somewhat of a habit. I think. Martinez has been booked a couple of times now for this this season. Dougie Louise as well got booked today, I think, for kicking the ball out. Anyway. Considering we've slightly derailed, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a quick question to you two here. Do you think do you think Tyrone Mings is a better player when he's up against a fan base that is actively giving him abuse and when he's being targeted? Do you think that almost helps him focus a bit more? Emmy Martinez came out in the week and said that. You know, he finds it better when he's under pressure and when fans are giving him abuse and that he's taking stick. Do you think that can almost be said for Mings that it almost makes him come out of his shell a bit more and makes him a better player? That's yours, Cole. <laughs> um, okay. Hello, everybody. I'm still here. Um, <laughs> it, it's a tough one for me because I, I, I think it depends on the circumstance and what I mean by that, maybe the setting around him. So, like, if we're playing, I don't know, I'll say like Man City or Chelsea away and that's happening. I don't know when you're not, you have much of the ball, even less. I think we had what 49% possession today. Um, I don't know. Cause you say that. And there's also been moments where he's, I wouldn't say he's crumbled, but he's kind of succumbed to it or it's kind of come on the back of a poor decision. And we've kind of seen how he's kind of managed that and how people manage that around him. So I think for the most part, yes. I'd probably be like an 80-20 split on, a split on that one. Uh, but how do you feel about it, Danny? I think any footballer, any professional footballer in the Premier League should be able to deal with it, I think, to be fair. I mean, when I say deal with it, I don't mean abuse. Like, that's that's a different level. But I mean, you know, sometimes when it... I mean, you know, obviously nobody should deserve to hear any sort of like racism or anything like that. I'm certainly not suggesting that that's... Uh, that's what Leeds fans are doing today. But um, I think I think what what Minx showed was you know that he wasn't going to get rattled. He wasn't going to be rattled. I think I think um, that when your head is in the game, you you will drown that out. You will drown out you know that rowdy that rowdy crowd. But like the Villa Leeds games, there's just a different sort of atmosphere around it. There's there really is ever since that whole Bielsa incident uh, with with the ball, obviously. Um, well, with the goal being ordered to score, like that was that was the that was the time that this fixture really really went on some sort of a madness. But yeah, Mings, I think my only issue with him is sometimes he can seem to lose focus. But I think to be fair to him, last few games when Villa have generally been feeling better or sorry playing better, um, we haven't seen much of an inkling of that. I know that. Uh, there was a couple of worries for some of the passes in the first half, but I, I wasn't worried about that. When 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 Villa is switched on, they can do those quick passes in defence, and it's and it's not all Tyrone Mings's fault. Sometimes those passes back to him aren't good. Sometimes we're passing back to the defence way too often, and sometimes we're just inviting pressure onto ourselves. That hasn't been the case recently. Um, so in general, I think Mings is pretty good at dealing with the pressure. He's always stepped up on the big games for England, for example. Yeah, well, let's switch the kind of point of view to his uh, center back partner this evening, Callum Chambers. Uh, thank you very much, Arsenal. That's all I can say right now. I'm going to be on a little bit of a high about this man for a little bit, but um, I mean, wow. I, I think when you kind of look at Ezri Konza, and I, I feel like we kind of put him as Mr. Irreplaceable more so than even Tyrone Mings at times. 
Um, and I say Keely at times because I feel like sometimes when we have Tyron Mings, of course, we're not as good. And then everyone states the obvious. But anyways, I mean, it, it's I don't want to give discredit to Courtney Hawes because he has put in some very solid shifts here and there. And of course, got the winner away at United. And while I'll remember that for some foreseeable future, because it'll probably never happen again for like another 20 years. But Seb, I mean, not only what a signing, of course, and you can kind of go easily into that statement, but he's just slotted in seamlessly, hasn't he? Um, yeah, to, to a slight degree. I think he struggled to begin with. Um, but well, Chambers! Chambers struggled to begin oh, with, I yeah. didn't. Oh, Seb, I think you've had too many little... Uh, Apple juices or something. I mean, let's not be about? funny. I was, <laughs> I don't know whether it's because I was sat so high up at St James's Park that I didn't really get a good enough, a good enough view. But look, I just remember that Newcastle game as as a diabolical result where no one could really, could really show, show any character. But look, since. Since then, on the run we've been on, and since he's been been in the team consistently, yeah. Look, I've got a I've got to agree with what you said. You know, Callum Chambers has been someone that's taken me by surprise. Sure, look, you always knew there was a a good solid Premier League player there, but you know, he's like I said, he's taken me by surprise. He's shown levels that I didn't quite know was capable because maybe I haven't been watching him so fluently but look I mean if we keep keep taking these fringe players from Arsenal and they keep making our squad better then you know I'm all for it and look to get him for such a low fee that we did is massively understated in my opinion um where it leaves concert I'm not too sure you know (laughs) it's a nice it's a nice headache to have I don't know how many times I've come on this podcast now and said Finally, we've got the squad depth that we've been crying out for since we've been back in the Premier League. But look, it gives it gives Gerard all the right problems that he'd like to have. The pass for Southampton is still living in my head rent-free. Every single day I'm remembering the outside of the boot to Coutinho and it's just, you know, the finish today to top it off. I didn't realise it was Chambers at first, I must admit. I thought it was one of our strikers to find out it was Chambers and for that quality of finish, the way he took it, when I found out he hadn't scored since 2019, it, it took me back almost because, you know, that is a, that's a strike for someone who's on the top of his game and for someone who's got a lot of confidence at the moment. And, you know, he played well tonight. Look, like I've said before, Ellen Road is not an easy place to go. To keep a clean sheet is is a great achievement, you know, for all of our back five with Dinia slotting in. I think he had COVID troubles last weekend. He looked faultless today. Chambers, again, not a bad word to speak about him. Mings, we've been over already and Cash with his goal. You know, we're starting to build out from the back and it's it's really positive to see. Yeah, and Daniel, I kind of, I'll spin this at you a little bit differently, of course. When you look at, like, Callum Chambers is an obvious upgrade, in my opinion, on Courtney Hawes. Nothing, again, nothing against Courtney Hawes, but it's evident. And now we're even deeper because we still have Hawes as well as fourth choice, which is fantastic. But do you agree in regards to when you're bringing in players from the likes of Arsenal, for example, which it's 
okay, they've went through some tough times as of late and they can be the butt of jokes, but they're still a massive club from a global standpoint and from a point of view. Do you think bringing in players like that, I wouldn't say obviously seamlessly for everybody, but that whole mentality and the little bit more extra skill set they that they offer, that's, that's going to be something that gets us to the next level, isn't it? I think when you look at that, you know, you look at Coutinho, you look at Chambers, and then, you know, you might want to look at Emi Martinez is that it's not just bringing in fringe players from um, from clubs like that or ambitious clubs. Like, say, you know, laugh at Arsenal all you want. They're an ambitious team. They're an ambitious squad. You know, the players that are there know what's expected of them. That's why, you know, they're performing so well under Arteta right now. And that's why they've always had the capability for it. The likes of, like, Obama Yang, for example, they get sent away. You know, Ozil, Arteta didn't think he was up for it, sent him away. I'm not I'm not going to go into an analysis of Arsenal here, but when you look at like Emi Martinez and you look at Chambers, they've not left Arsenal because you know the mentality isn't there. Coutinho hasn't left Barcelona because he's not ambitious. These are ambitious players who need a chance and just need to get some consistent football and need a chance to show what they've got. And so when you target those sorts of talented players that are on the books of those clubs and have been you know, uh, training under those professional setups and have been pl- and have been training with top top players, but you know, then then they then they're not going to walk into this team and and kind of um, not give a hundred percent. You know, they're going to they're going to try hard. And when when you have that blend, then it's the right sort of player to bring in. So yeah, I see what you're saying, Nicole. Oh, I'm glad you agree. I'm not wrong, so I do appreciate that. Um, I will take that one to the bank today. But anyways, let's. Let's go on to Matty Cash. It's been basically a defensive love in here, even though we've scored three goals. And we'll, we'll get to more of the attacking prowess a little bit later. Um, but, I mean, we have to get to Matty Cash. It's what, I think it's what, two goals and two assists or something like that in his last three. Maybe I'm off and actually he has another assist onto that tally. But, I mean, Seb, we, we've we seen the quotes of him being linked with Atletico Madrid and for, what, $40 million And I, even I'll admit I've said, you know what, that's a lot of money I would take. And now I'm thinking, you know what, the way he's playing right now, I, I don't know if I'd ever want to let him go. <laughs> um, I think maybe he should do more interviews because since he came out and did, did this interview saying, I want to contribute more, I think he's got, what is it, three assists and, and one goal since he made that. Don't quote me on that because it, it it's something similar, but not. I don't think it's quite right, but it's by the way, it, it sounds just, 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 just because both of you have mentioned it. It sounds more impressive when you give it for the season, three goals and three assists this season. That's a right back. As, as, as a right back. Well, I mean, you know, we always say that we're not going to bring up his name, but we always do bring up his name. You know, that's more than Jack Grealish this season. And considering he went for a hundred million, you know, our right back is, is outperforming him. Look, you know, it's, it's it's a good achievement and I think he's really stepped up in recent weeks because, you know, let's not beat around the bush. He he hadn't been up to the standard that we'd hoped for earlier on this season and he hadn't really kicked on from his impressive year last year. But I think since since the Brighton game, really, he's obviously kept three clean sheets in a row now and contributing at the other end of the pitch which is all you can ask for from a fullback but it's almost 
it's almost since we asked him to push on in the attacking phase less that he's contributed more because, you know, we had obviously had those troubles where the fullbacks were so high up that McGinn was having to cover and Cash wasn't tracking back and, you know, we were conceding bucketfuls. But since ever since we've we've tightened it up at the back, he's been allowed almost more freedom on the ball, more time on the ball to pick a pass, be able to roam forward. And look, all credit has to go to Gerard because I think he's got it spot on in recent weeks. He he identified a problem that we had. He identified an area that we were struggling and he's fixed it and it's worked. And, you know, to to fix a problem such short term in the Premier League is is a big feat for a manager who's who's so recent into his tenure. But yeah, Matty Cash has stepped up. But those are the performances that we need to see week in, week out for him. If we can see that on a regular basis, then he will turn into the player that we hope to see more often. Yeah, absolutely. And Danny, I'll spin a different question your way. And I think it's important to talk about this man as well. Danny Ings gets another assist. And like I was saying prior to the podcast, that is a goal and three assists in two games. And I know we saw a little bit of a hot streak from him at the start of the season. And we all know the whole Ollie Watkins, Danny Ings combination. And we never wanted to see again. Well, you know what? It's still producing the goods. And he's definitely changed his role in this side. And it's for the better, isn't it? He seems to be having to cover a lot of ground behind Watkins. And that's, you know, it's tough. It's tough for a man of his age. I think he's doing a lot of running right now. He's doing a lot of grafting work. But but what you what you can see from him is that he's got a one heck of a pass on him. I always thought he was going to be like a finisher. I thought we were going to stick him up there on his own and he'd, you know, tap in. But the way that we're playing right now, it just seems to work. And I, I think... I think what's happened right now is he's taken Buendia's place um, where, you know, previously would have been hoping for Coutinho and Buendia to both be kind of like putting balls into Watkins. Well, what you've actually got is that Buendia and Coutinho are very, very similar players. It's just that Coutinho is significantly better as it is at the moment. Um, but Danny Ings offers you something a little bit different. There's more of a focal point there. You know, if, if Coutinho is not free, you've got Coutinho, you've got maybe Danny Ings out wide and you can maybe play that ball to his chest a bit. Um, and then, you know, you, you've, you've got someone who's, who's very good with, you know, good at being direct with that ball. That's what I like with what with, with Ings. He's either going to shoot or he's going to, you know, ping a ball in, but he's not going to mess around with it too much. You know, he's aware of his limitations and you never really see those limitations because of that. And yeah, no, I think, I think, I think Ings has been fantastic. I think he's been, he's been really good at, at playing that support striker role, which is, you know, interestingly, when he when he first came in, they were talking about that, weren't they? They were talking about sort of he can play in an attacking midfield role. He can play at number ten if he wants to. Um, but yeah, this seems to be sort of like a number ten and a half that he's playing at the moment. Since Danny Ings has come in, I've been one of his his biggest advocates. You know. I, I think we've mentioned it quite a lot, the the Ings and Watkins partnership and, you know, would it work? Would it, would it not work? Would we have to sacrifice one of them to make them work? And I think the main conclusion that we came to as a podcast is that these things take time, you know, in conclusion, things aren't going to click overnight and partnerships aren't going to form, you know, with the click of a finger, these I think I 
alluded back to his partnership with Shea Adams last season. You know, Shea Adams came from Birmingham and obviously really struggled in his first season. But the second season, he managed to strike a partnership with Danny Ings. And that was when they enjoyed their their most creative partnership together at Southampton. So, look, these, these things are always going to happen with time. Gerard wants his two main strikers on the pitch together. He doesn't want to be sacrificing either one of them. And, you know, I'm so glad to finally see Ings show what he's capable of because I think he came in for a bit of unjust stick at times this season you know he's a he's a Premier League proven goal scorer and he's not finished he's nowhere near finished you can see that hunger you can see that desire in him even when he plays now you can tell he's the type of character that you want to have in and around the team it's sad that he's taken Buendia's place and I'm sure Emmy Brendier is a character that we'll get onto later on in this podcast. But look, to finally see Ings and Watkins flourishing together, you know, there's no there's no finer sight. You know, during Dean Smith's uh, tenure, I know what you think, Cole, but like, I don't think he, uh, I don't think they really played as a partnership, didn't it? Like, it was Watkins out wide. Um, see, like when you think when you sit back and think about it, like. I felt like they were just thrown out there and yeah, you would consider Watkins to be the winger, but it was constant overlapping and there was a few opportunities where they got in each other's way and it could have ended up being something. I think when Ings came in from my perspective and I sit back and look at it, I almost felt like many people thought maybe Watkins would be the one to maybe service him because we all know Ings to be this great finisher for Southampton and and uh, former clubs in this past career, more so for probably Burnley than, of course, you would say Liverpool with his injury record there and unluckiness there. But it's interesting because you sit back and you look at Watkins's game and he can have fantastic hold-up play at times and he can create bits of magic at times. And we wish his finishing was a little bit better at times as well, but it's kind of just reversed from... Ings getting one, two, three touches of the ball, maybe in 20 minutes to him getting, you know what, say 15 touches and Watkins only touching it a few times. And for some reason, it just seems like that little tweak, that little switch has made all the difference. And regardless of either of them scoring every game or even one of them scoring at the end of the day, we're still winning. And it's because of these small contributions that they're making. And even if they don't even get an assist in the game, they could be the secondary or the third assist, um, the one to set it all up. So, and I think that's the main thing is getting kind of production from an all round thing up front, but um, you know what, let's get over to our three word reviews. Then we'll get to our match balls and we'll quickly chat about uh, West Ham on Sunday. Cause I don't want to make this too long for people. Of course, it's going to be a quick succession podcast with this coming out on a Friday and then one early on the Monday as well. So of course, you can tweet us at 7500 to hold on Twitter post match and get your three word reviews or three word summaries out there. Uh, usually they're out anywhere between five to 15 minutes or so post match. So let's go through a few now. Uh, Colin Frederick saying seven point gap. Uh, Shendo AVFC CCC, which would be. Coutinho, Cash, and Chambers, and I didn't even think of that till now, so I might actually have a uh, a title for the podcast, so thank you, Shendo. Um, let's go to Macavilla, Callum, F, 
Chambers. I, he probably met Callum Effin Chambers, but anyways, we'll, we'll keep it somewhat appropriate. And let's go to our next one, our very own Simon O'Regan. Sign Coutinho now, he says, in all exclamation uh, marks and capitals in there. Very authoritative from our uh, bald figurehead here. Uh, Mr. P, uh, Mr. P, I should say. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. P. Uh, cash for goals. Um, let's go to <laughs> Daler, always in control. And before I start peeling over in laughter, just like our very own Seb Bacon, as you can hear him, we'll finish with BBQ saying it really enjoyed that. That's probably the best way to sum that up. But Danny, we'll come to you first. Who would you give your match ball slash man of the match to? Bro, I didn't even think about this yet. Um, but I think, to be fair, Who's on the score sheet today? Coutinho. Yeah, you know I'm gonna go. I'm go, I'm genuine. I'm gonna go John McGinn. I'm gonna go John McGinn. I thought he was absolutely terrific from midfield today. I don't know why you're shaking your head, Seb. Uh, I thought I thought McGinn was 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 brilliant. Not at you. No, oh, okay, you, fair enough. He he controlled it, and and I you know he, he used his ass incredibly as usual. Uh, just. <laughs> Just uh, making life really difficult for Leeds players. I think he nearly got a booking today. I don't think he ended up with his customary booking. I think Douglas Louise ended up taking one of his bookings. Um, Very charitable. Yeah, no, just every every time Villa went forward, you could see John McGinn making those runs. I think I think he, he defended really well. He ran his line and, and and kept himself open as an attacking option. But but mostly like that grip on that on that Leeds United midfield for the most part for the most part was was. Was, was brilliant and it just didn't allow Leeds United really to ever get that momentum going uh, apart from those sort of like 15 minutes or so yeah and he had that shot too that uh, to be fair it was a fantastic save uh, from the Leeds keeper and I almost thought it was going in and um, again when our midfield at its best it's because of John McGinn I would say more so than anybody else but Seb who would you give your man of the match to it's a difficult one today because it's difficult to to pinpoint a certain player. I'll probably go for for Lucas Dina, actually. Um I think Pretty he felt. I think he slightly went under the radar today, but to come to come back into the team and to form as well as he did, you know, if a defender goes under the radar, then you know it's been a good day. Um, you know, he was able to transition the ball from defense into attack quite quickly. Um you know, that's something we've missed. Certainly he was able to carry the ball. He was able to frustrate leads. You know, he wasn't panicking under pressure. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it to Daniel. Why not? What a signing, by the way, right? It, like what a signing. Like Newcastle United fans are so happy with Target. I don't feel an ounce of jealousy that they've got him. Because, because Dean has, like, he is the perfect left back. As much as you talk about Coutinho and how well he's done, Dean is the perfect left back for the Gerard system. <laughs> and like he was putting himself everywhere today. Uh, there was cross field balls that Leeds United wanted to play. They were thinking, let's get this ball over that defense. This is how we do it against Villa. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. But like Dean, uh, <laughs> Danny, and that's I, why Rafinha had like uh, had such a growl on his face all day. Danny, I haven't seen you this excited since Wesley <laughs> scored his first goal. And you wouldn't shut up about him. I feel it's like it's been da- a long time. Uh, Danny's slightly jealous of my um of my man of the match shout. Eh, maybe no, I still think much. I still think McGinn was great. It's, I just <laughs> I still think McGinn was the guy. I just, I still think, but like I, I respect I respect your dean your dean pick. 
Well, hopefully you guys will respect mine because I'm going to go with Matty Cash. A goal and an assist. I mean, it, it's kind of easy pickings. Um, and of course, he'll be my man of the match for the player ratings that go up on the website. So, of course, if you want to read that, uh, please do so in your own at your own leisure, I should say. So, I mean, I could go on and on about how awesome he's been lately, but a goal and assist really says a lot. Um, what he's creating going forward, his ability to track back even at the last moment and get that important tackle in his just it's next level in my opinion so long may that continue um but danny i'll come to you first we'll we'll talk about west ham here for a, a very few quick moments why not how you feeling about this one and are you expecting any rotation this is um this is going to sneak villa this one this is going to sneak villa because villa have, have, have had success over the last few games i'd say against not very good teams i'd say so we won, was it 2-0 at Brighton? Brighton, who just passed the ball around the deck for for fun, for no reason whatsoever, and, and aren't really, you know, getting anything going at the moment. Southampton, who obviously, yeah, you know, they were fairly consistent. You know, we'll call it a 4-0 win, but they were dreadful on the day. Um, Leeds United, who defend dreadfully. Now, now this is where, this is where Villa really have to see if they, carry that form but um, I think West Ham United is really going to be a difficult one for Villa because there's not going to be any control you know Villa aren't going to be able to control the game here this is where you have to reconsider the Chambers pick now like Chambers has been brilliant this is where you have to consider whether you want Conza in there against Michel Antonio whether you want that strength back there so um, also whether whether you go with the two strikers West Ham I don't know Uh, I'm going to I think this is going to be a difficult one for Villa aren't it and I don't mean to be, to be a pessimist. I'm trying to see this for, with some perspective here. I think West Ham win the next game. No, I do agree with that, Danny. Um, it's going to be a tough one. Um, I, I kind of sit back and look at it. They're going to be out think, of blood, by the way, as well. Yeah, they, they are going to be. I, I think, you know what, you, you look at their recent struggles and they're keeping games tight. That's going to be the interesting point. They're not scoring a lot of goals right now. Um, and they're when they're losing, it's only by like a one goal margin, really. So it's going to be interesting. And as we said last season, I feel like this is now where it's one of those games where we sit back and look and kind of say, is this a real test for Villa? Is this where we finally kind of make a mark? And I, I guess you can say that. And I, I think there's probably bigger fish to fry in terms of what you would consider maybe a giant killing or a very impressive result. But Nonetheless, I think if you want to keep that momentum going and um, yeah, we're going to have to probably kick it into first gear for this one. But Seb, how do you feel about it? Look, you know, a team, a team that's ultimately fighting for European football. You know, if you want a team to be tight and compact, you know, David Moyes is the manager for that. I think he showed us at Everton and, you know, he had some rough spells in between, but he's showing again at West Ham. I'm a, how good of a manager that he can be, and look, it would be it would be no easy feat at the weekend. But with the form that we're on, look, confidence is a big factor in football, and if we can go there believing that you know we can match these, realistically, if we want to match the owners' ambition and the aim and the direction that they want us to head in, West Ham is the type of game that we. Should should be going to and matching them in terms of performance on the pitch you know those are the those are the heights we've got to reach West Ham have shown that in recent years of just how quickly you can elevate yourselves in football and how quickly you can 
you know, jump to a completely different pedestal in in the footballing ladder. And if we want to get to that same height of European football and stuff like that, then, you know, these are the games that we've got to be showing what we can do. It's all well and good putting in good performances, but you've got to back it up against the teams that maybe you wouldn't expect to. So, look, you know, we've won three on the bounce and as a Villa fan, you're always pessimistic. So I'm going to say that, at some point, it's gonna it's gonna come back and bite us in the face, and we we do a loss at some point from from an AVFC perspective. But if we can go there and and continue on the trajectory that we've been on, get a result. You know, we've but it's not like they've got fresh legs. We've both played we've both played tonight, so who knows what to expect it's a Premier League you know what as well right like you might think in your head that like West Ham are like this team who are like levels and levels above Villa but like you know there's a game in hand and they're only sort of like nine points to the good of us so if you think if you think if you assume Villa win another game that's that's a six point gap right so like you know West Ham you know they are capable of losing you know they haven't scored that many goals in the last few games they've been a little bit goal shy so it might be as well that, you know, Villa go out there, defend it right. And, you know, as I say, I think that Chambers and Konza decisions are going to be really, really hard. I think it was, I think it was easy against Leeds. I think it's going to be really, really hard against West Ham. Really? Um, yeah. I because think so. if, it, if it was, if it was easy against Leeds with Chambers getting a clean sheet and an assist, surely three, surely two clean sheets, an assist and a goal would make it, I... would make it easier, right? I as I don't judge centre halves on goals and assists, <laughs> but he but he's kept a clean sheet again. So he he has he has, but Leeds United took about two shots on goal. <laughs> and right, again, okay. but I'm just I like I I still I still wonder whether whether Conza is going to be more built for for that. Yeah, uh, look, I mean I agree with you. I'm I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but yeah, surely yeah, yeah. you can't drop Chambers in this situation, right? Yeah, it's hard. That's it's hard to do that. But would you what? Hmm? Oh, I don't know. Would you? I mean, there's been loads of talk of Chambers moving into midfield, and, maybe. And but again, you don't you don't change your win- winning formula, right? I think I think either way, whilst avoiding that 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 inevitable hard question, <laughs> I think either way, I think if, sit if on you the talk fence, about, yeah, 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 yeah. But if you think about how Villa can win the game, I think it's through the fullbacks. Yeah, hundred. I think I think I think Cash and Dean for me have been stronger. Than, than Cresswell and Johnson. And so I'd like to see, you know, if, if Cash and Dean just offer Villa that extra bit of width, you know, that extra bit, bit of fight on the width uh, out wide, I think that's where Villa could win the game because now, because narrowly, like within that centre of midfield, West Ham are going to beat that, are going to win that battle. So Villa can, can use those wide areas a little bit better, you know, not force, uh, force themselves into trying to handle Price and, and, um, and Sushek, then you know, then then that's how you sort of win that. And to that point, Ramsey out for Suns in the next game, please, hundred percent. Really? Not because I don't like Ramsey, yeah. not because I think Ramsey's played well, uh, not because I think Ramsey's not played well, but I just think Sanson's gonna gonna do you a little bit more of a solid job there, and he's got some fresher legs. That's fair. Um, yeah, it, it's gonna be a, a tough one. I'd have to say when you kind of sit back and look at it. And to be fair to Callum Chambers, this is a massive probably next few weeks for him if you think about it. You have this game. He's going to want to prove his worth even more against West Ham. 
And then he's going to want to play against Arsenal. He's going to want to play against this former club and he's going to want to win just like Emmy Martin is um, did last season, both times and how distraught he was when we lost earlier in the season. These is, this is big games for these two guys. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. I mean, when is it ever a bad thing to be kind of questioning which center back pairing you're going to have? I can't remember exactly. the last time it's been positive at Villa that way. So hundred percent. Yeah. We'll have 100%. to wait. And see. You know, I've mentioned it uh, countless times. Squad depth is something that you need to kick on as a football club. You cannot, you cannot step up another level. If you don't have squad depth, it can come back and bite you so, so easily. And it can be such a problem now that we've got that dilemma, it you know, it it only brings positives. It brings positives because it brings competitive competitiveness out of professionals on the training pitch. It can give positive problems to the manager, and it gives us a talking point, which always makes our podcasts more interesting. So hey, win 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 all round, yeah. Absolutely. Well, Seb, I'm going to throw it right back at you. Score prediction, please. I might do a Danny Razor and sit on the fence. Can you go to him first? Yeah, you know what? We'll throw Danny Raz in here. He's a sir after all. So, Sir Danny Raza, <laughs> score <laughs> prediction. Uh, yeah, so despite all the praise I gave Villa today, I'm going to say the uh, team who needs to recollect their form. You know, this is this is this would be a very typical Villa result. Uh, so, I'm going to go with 3 2 to West Ham. Fair enough. Sab, it's back to you. It's all on you. 1 1. Yeah, to be fair, I was kind of sitting on that fence too, but um, I've seen many people now bring out the Grim Reaper uh, (laughs) picture and it's getting better and better. And I kind of want to ride that hype chain. So we're going to go with the loss and uh, Danny's going to go with the loss. I should say Seb's going to go with the draw. I'm going to go 2-1 Villa. Why not? Like, why (laughs) why not? Uh, No, I'm not going that deep, but you know what? Pessimistic call. We've not conceded in three games. (laughs) I'm way too pessimistic to say we concede one. You know what? Then you know what? Screw it. Two nil. We're 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 keeping this going. (laughs) He's crumbled. Peer pressure. One slight bit peer pressure. He's crumbled. (laughs) I said we concede three. Well, (laughs) I don't care. You know what? I want another ten game win streak. I want to feel unreal for the rest of the season. So, so what minute is Callum Chambers turning into Prime Maldini? Then what? uh, When's he getting his goal or assist? He's going to play a fantastic ball around the 60th to the 69th minute. And there's going to be a goal somewhere in there, I hope. But anyways, that's as far as I'm going to go for this guest. But anyways, let's wrap this up, guys, because we've been going for more than long enough. And I did say I wanted to make it a quick one. But in typical Holtcast fashion, we never do anything quick around here. We like to chit chat and make absolute nonsense. So hopefully... Everybody enjoyed, of course, leave a positive review on ACAST, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get uh, this or listen to this podcast, I should say, and tell your friends about it. It's always good to have some more Villa fans and general footy fans listening as well. Of course, tweet the team at 7500 to hold. Of course, you can find any of us on Twitter um, in the links below wherever you found this podcast. So thank you very much to Seb and Danny as well. But we'll leave it there. And don't forget up the villa planning for your next trip 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.